What's up, how about this, listeners, and welcome to the final episode of the Summer of Slurm. That's right, it was a great summer full of competition, fighting, action movies, and Alien vs. Predator. And on this last episode, we figured it was going to be the main event. So we have a very special friend joining us on today's episode. Mr. Chris D'Amato joins us on the mics as he's ready to go to the mat to talk about SummerSlam. And now, introducing the How About This Summer of Slam! What's up, how about this, listeners? Welcome back to another episode of the Summer of Slam! Summer of Slam. (laughs) It's been a long summer, but we are finally ringing the bell on this season of the Summer of Slam as we wrap this up in the figure four leg lock of a wrap-up in this season. I submit. I submit. You tap out. That's right. I'm tapping out. Gordon I can't believe tapped out, ladies and gentlemen. we produced more Summer of Slam content than even we knew we were going to produce. We didn't think we were going to go this far, but once we got to Alien versus Predator, brother, we knew we had to wrap this thing up real quick. So <laughs> we felt the best way to wrap up the Summer of Slam is by talking about, well, what slams more than wrestling, professional wrestling, and the WWE and its properties. Well, pretty much and everything that, that gets in the WWE's path is eaten and absorbed by this giant conglomerate. I believe yes. it owns 38 wrestling federations at this point. There's no way, there's no better way to wrap up the su- summer, kind of like how wrestling kind of wraps up the summer. Right. McMahon is the, he is the Bezos of, he is the Bezos of the wrestling world. Yes, WWE he, is the Amazon of wrestling. It is. It is the Amazon of wrestling. And unfortunately, uh, they can't really deliver an event as quickly as Amazon can deliver a package. So I think that Amazon might be in better shape if Amazon doesn't buy WWE at some point, because they might as well do that. But I think uh, I think FedEx needs to challenge Amazon to the belt. Oh, I think so. I think FedEx might be able to take the world shipping weight heavy championship or whatever they're going to call it. It's the blue. It's the purple and orange belt owned by FedEx. It's the it's the championship. It's still it's still a yes, shipping. It's, they it's could do ship. something with that pun there. There's yes. something. It's just it's right there. It's right it's there. It's right there. It's, it's you're right. You're right, Jordan. But before we move any further and continue to this madness, we got to introduce our co-hosts for this show. So, the Intercontinental Champion reigning from the South Shores of Long Island, Mr. Jordan Hugh, ladies and gentlemen. And, uh, of course, my co-host, he is the ninth wonder of the world. He is the all-American boy. He is the ace in the hole himself, hailing from parts unknown but mostly Hicksville, Mike Staub. Thank you so much. Thank you for all the millions and millions of fans of... How about this? I will say this much. 
wrestling and Long Island kind of go hand in hand because Nassau Coliseum was such an important venue for WWF and WWE for all those years. So it almost feels like this is like like a right to passage for guys like us. I feel like everyone in and around Long Island kind of grew up around that. So the fact that two of us are from this island that is quite long on this podcast today, uh, it feels special to me. It feels like a sweaty Saturday morning watching WWF superstars. But before we talk more about wrestling, we have to introduce the New Jersey rattlesnake because D'Amato316 says, I just whooped your ass. Mr. Chris D'Amato is Woo! here. Chris Death Star D'Amato all the way the from New Jersey. That's no Holy moon. Cow. I, I feel honored to be here with the ninth wonder and the intercontinental champion himself. This is great. Chris, uh, we know that you're a Titanic wrestling fan. We know that yes. you've been a wrestling fan forever. I think that you That's probably another ship, another ship pun. Another yeah, ship pun. we're, we're going to, you know what? There's championships. Hat trick. There, hat trick. We're going to go. We're going to find it. We're going to get that hat trick in this episode. Chris, we obviously you're a giant wrestling fan. What I always respect about your love for the craft of wrestling is not only are you someone who, appreciates good technical wrestling from my understanding you're also someone that understands the performance nature of wrestling and how it is this strange and weird combination of athletics and performance that is not really seen anywhere else on the planet so it's it's theater it's Cirque du Soleil on steroids it's a hyper masculine soap opera Sometimes it's, it's yeah, sometimes quite literally on steroids, as we saw <laughs> in the early 1990s when yes. uh, Mr. Hulk Hogan actually was brought to whatever court it was to uh, talk about Mr. V- Mr. Vince McMahon himself was uh, challenged by the federal government. It was a big case. He almost yep. uh, he had succession plans for the company had he uh, had he gone to prison at that time. So it was a big deal, that steroid scandal. And it hurt business a lot. And right at a time when WCW really started picking up steam. So yeah, the mid mid nineties was a rough one for the McMahon family. Definitely. And I feel like that's kind of when everyone learned that wrestling is quote unquote, and I will not use the right, I will not use the wrong word here because I hate when people say wrestling is quote unquote fake. It's not fake. It's scripted. So it's not athletic performance. It's not athletic competition per se. It's scripted, but you can't, you can't fake getting hit hit in the face with a chair. I'll tell you this. It's certainly, it's more real than your favorite movie. (laughs) Uh, And I'm being serious. It's fictionalized in that you're getting a story, you're getting characters, you're getting arcs, but you know, unless you're Tom Cruise, most of the actors aren't doing their own stunts. They're not getting punched in the face. Wrestling is a contact has all the physicality of a contact sport with the performance aspect of theater. And, and when it's done right, there's nothing else like it. Yeah, no, it's really great. I, Jordan has brought this up many, many times before. Jordan has always compared, and I'll let you feel this a little bit, Jordan. You've always compared wrestling to Breck's epic theater. And I think that really fits. Yeah, I, I, I agree with Chris. I think wrestling is the sort of last vestige of, of the epic theater. I think it's you know storytelling on a really grand scale. It uses spectacle in an artful, uh, really compelling way. And I think, you know, I've said this before on the podcast, I say I'm not a sports fan, but I love sports movies. And that is why I love wrestling. Wrestling to me is um, equal parts, you know, sport and entertainment. And, you know, the, the thing that I love about, you know, let's say like a baseball film 
is it's the story that goes along with the game, but I can't just watch a game of baseball. I can just watch a wrestling match because there is a story being told there. It's got heightened drama. And, you know, living in the era of Vince McMahon, we have now seen it go from, oh, yeah, okay, these guys have a history and they're, you know, they might have some some little sideshow business going on to like fully produced epic theater. It's really been just amazing to behold so much so that I can just watch a wrestling event and feel totally fulfilled in an entertainment sense, like actually get catharsis from it. Mm-hmm. What's what's beautiful about wrestling in general, too, is that like I don't watch as much as I used to. I used to watch wrestling every week when I was in high school and middle school. We would watch it every Monday night, every every Thursday night. We would watch the pay-per-views over the last few years. I do feel like the product has weakened a little bit, but I will still watch some of the pay-per-views that are like necessary to watch. Like I watch the Royal Rumble every year. It's like a religious event for me. I will sit down and watch it. And even though I haven't been paying attention for a lot of the year, they bring you in very easily. They have these wonderful characters, characters that are over the top. The wrestling brand has gotten much more international. It's gotten much more um, driven by the, the women in WWE. I actually think the women right now are, are actually beating the snot out of the guys. When I do watch wrestling, I think they're, they're delivering a, a wonderful product, but WWE especially and wrestling has gone through these kind of eras, right? We, we, we grew up in like what I would call like the superstars era, right? Where it was like even more cartoonish. We had guys like the macho man, Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan and, and the ultimate warrior Ted DiBiase, the million dollar man. Like these characters were like, they were like cartoon characters. And then slowly through the nineties, like Chris was saying, it, it hits a lull. WCW kind of takes it over when they, they bring in the NWO and then they put out some really great video games. So it gets people really jazzed about wrestling. And we were at the right age when like the attitude era was hitting. We were like 13, 12, 13, 14, 15 year old kids. When this kind of grittier, nastier product was, was hitting the streets and it was, it kind of caught us at the right point in time, but it gets to a point where even that kind of overstays its welcome because the attitude era became far too much about um, like kind of acceleration and acceleration of the process. But before we get into this, before we get into pitches, before we get into our SummerSlam event, I always like to ask, obviously I ask this of Jordan every, every episode, but like Chris, what do you, what is your background with wrestling? When did you get started? What really attracted you to it? My earliest memories of life, not of wrestling, of life, of being alive, of being aware of my existence, are watching wrestling in my diapers on Saturday morning with my older brother. So that's how big it was for me as far as the earliest I can actually think in my memory of my life and recall something are those Saturday mornings playing toys, watching WWF superstars. And man, I was the biggest Hulkamaniac in the world. I'm sure every kid was at that time, but you know, there were, there were Hulk Hogan kids. They were ultimate warrior kids, uh, especially as I was getting into four or five, six territory. And uh, the warrior kids were always a bit wild. I never got along well with the warrior kids at the time, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you had the uh, Hogan thing. So now, now that I'm older, of course, I look back at that era and I'm a total savage guy. So, uh, <laughs> you know, but it was a great time. It's a great time to be a wrestling fan. And look, I, I'm, I try not to be a pessimist uh, in life and about the future in general, but so I'm not going to sit here and say that wrestling will never be good again. And it will, and I'm sure, and I hope it does, but it will never be quite as good as it was when we were growing up. I, I, and, and I know you can say that about any 
franchise you have nostalgia for, but there are actual reasons, business reasons, in my opinion, why it will never be quite as good, at least in our lifetimes, as it was growing up. Because you had this, this you had the business evolving out of this territory system in the 70s, which created these outrageous characters. And then that became a national thing where you didn't have to just follow it on a regional level and it exploded. And now that territory system, which created all those characters and personalities is gone. So the way wrestlers come up now is different and that affects what the ultimate product is. But that said, it's a lifelong passion. I still, I like you, Mike, I catch all the big events. Royal Rumble is the one event per year you can count on to deliver on some level. And, you know, WrestleMania, obviously it's a thing. SummerSlam is the week of this recording. So yeah. 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 Wrestling. It'll be around forever in some form. Yeah, I think so. I think it's, it's got too many fans and it's got too, it's too unique of like a, a fan base and it appeals to a lot of people. Like I, obviously I watched, I watch it when I can Uh, Amanda, my wife uh, also, watches it with me and she gets really invested when we are watching and stuff like that. So it kind of speaks to everyone for different reasons. Uh, Jordan, what about you, man? What's your experience with wrestling? What, what made you first enjoy it? What do you, what do you enjoy about it? I think the first wrestling event that I remember watching was, uh, it was the first survivor series, which means I saw the first appearance of the undertaker. So that's the guy I came in with. I was only like four, (laughs) I think, or, you know, almost five watching that event, but I, I do remember seeing it. I, I guess we must have gotten the pay-per-view or however we got that. I'm not even sure. Odd that your takeaway from that event was The Undertaker and not, of course, the gobbledygooker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I just thought it was really cool. Uh, and I my memory is obviously really soft from such a young age. I'm not really sure if how how these events happened in order. But my mom had a my mom worked for American Airlines for many years and she had a friend at work named Rob and Rob found out that I was just this little little kid into wrestling and I think he thought it was hilarious that such a little child was into like WWF then stuff WWE now um and he was like oh cool and he let me like all these um VHS tapes that he had made of like all the different events that I had sort of missed so uh coming up as I was like five six seven eight years old right I would watch the current wrestling matches but then Rob was always lending me these tapes and he was this really cool guy it's my mom's friend he's friends with my parents and he was lending me like the old events. So I was becoming familiar with wrestlers of like the slightly bygone era. So that's how I was more familiar with like characters like, you know, Steamboat or Bobby the Brain or like, you know, the the, the genius, like folks that had like already kind of had their heyday by the time the early 90s were rolling around. I was getting familiar with these 80s wrestlers and I was totally loving it. And yeah, we were all about the same age. So I was coming up with the same wrestlers. But to be honest with you, The Undertaker was always my favorite. I will never forget the first time really seeing him. He's such a physical presence. Um, and he does not even have his full gimmick in effect in that first event. He, he kind of just is what he is. But it, it's... It, to see him evolve and to like follow his career has really been sort of meaningful to my life. Like you guys, I still follow the big events every year. I would say my interest in wrestling kind of waned after high school. There was a brief resurgence in college just because you guys were into it. But I, I, I definitely fell out after that. But wrestling's always been a part of my life. And I love just kind of coming back and, and dipping in. And I will always, like if it comes up on like my news feed or something like that, ooh, something about WWE, I will always read the story. I will always check up on those characters and those guys. And um, I still have like emotional responses when you hear things like, oh, this wrestler got sick. This wrestler is injured. You follow their careers until they die, like you would with any professional in, in the professional sports world, you know? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, some of them are really still heartbreaking. I'm still sad about Macho Man. You know, yeah, it's like, sure. and that's been years now. You know, but um, yep, Taker was my favorite. I, I was a big Bret Hart kid for a while. There was nothing cooler than wearing those sunglasses, man. Oh my a, god, yes, those freaking sunglasses. Yeah, that was just the best. And that was just like a those are very like sparkling, perfect moments from my childhood. I remember my parents taking me to a WrestleMania. I went to see Monday Night Raw a couple times live, which was so cool. It was just it was a really cool time. Uh, Mike, how about you? Yeah, so I definitely got into wrestling. For those of you who've been listening to this podcast since day one you're going to realize that a lot of my my interests and in things spur from all pretty much the same spot. It's like one of two places. I either played a video game or bought toys. So when I was a kid, uh, I had an older cousin who was into wrestling and his mom, my aunt, was getting him all these Hasbro, like early 90s wrestling toys. And I remember my parents getting them for me. And I had like the big blue WWF ring and I had like the Hulk Hogan that there was like a Hulk Hogan that would like bounce. And there was an ultimate warrior that would do like the, the big, the big press. And I had a big boss man that would like his arm would come back and whatever. So that's kind of how I got introduced to it. I got introduced to it through these action figures yeah, and the toys were and the great. Playset. Yeah. The, the toys were always kind of good and they continued to be good as we went on and on. And, you know, as a kid, I was like, I like the ultimate warrior. I didn't really understand the ultimate warrior versus Hulkster kind of battle. Cause I, I probably didn't pay close enough attention, but I would watch superstars on Saturday. I really got into wrestling for real, like seriously following it every week to week to week. And obviously, obviously I played a bunch of the arcade games and I, I love I don't mean to interrupt you. It's possible. It's possible. You didn't understand the Hogan warrior rivalry because both of those guys were speaking largely gibberish through most of it. (laughs) Most likely, (laughs) most likely. And, uh, you know, I definitely played a bunch of the arcade games and the games on like super Nintendo and stuff. uh, And I, I definitely loved like the, there was like a WrestleMania, the arcade game, which was put out by midway, which I played a bunch of on the PlayStation and by the time we get to the late mid mid late 90s like 97 98 99 that's when i really got into it that's when i really latched on to it you know i would watch raw but i had a relatively early bedtime so i wasn't really able to stay up to 11 but smackdown and nitro and thunder were great because they were like within that time frame that i would stay up to so i would watch a lot of that and that's how i really got into it and i always love wrestlers like obviously stone cold was awesome i was always a big fan of the rock and, uh, you know, Undertaker and Kane was great. Mankind is, was also great to watch. So like that whole attitude. Mankind. Era, Mankind's lo- a Long Island dude, man. That That's guy right. Still lives out here. Mick Foley's the fucking man. Mick Foley. I think he lives out in like the Smithtown area. Yeah. And uh, I've and met him twice. He's so cool. One of the I, nicest, I, smartest pro wrestlers around. Yeah, we universally acknowledged as one of the yes. best. We love Mick Foley on this show. Yeah, Mick Foley's funny enough, though. Yeah, no, I love obviously like Mick Foley. I like all those guys. Like if everyone's like, who's your favorite wrestler? I'm like, I don't really know because I would get excited about different wrestlers based on the context and the situation. And like you have an I, answer now. Me? I don't think so. I think it's like I really love The Rock. I really love Stone Cold Steve Austin. I really like the Macho Man. And more recent, I was a big CM Punk fan when CM Punk was around. Uh, I'm upset that he hasn't wrestled in a long time. Currently, if I'm going to watch currently, I I really like, you know, I actually liked wrestlers like, uh, I like the Japanese wrestlers they brought in a, a lot. I, I, I liked watching uh, Kairi Sane and Asuka. 
I thought they were awesome. I think that elbow drop Kyrie Sane does is like a work of art. I really like Kyrie Sane. Yeah. yeah, she's she's a pirate and she drops elbows on people. So I'm a big fan of that. But other than that, it's kind of hard for me to pick. I do like the guys who like to talk and are a little bit more bombastic and a little bit more wacky and out there than than a lot of people. Like I was a big fan of Dolph Ziggler just because I think he's hilarious. Uh, but if I was to pick my favorite, it would be somewhere between like Randy Savage and probably the rock or stone cold or something like that. But yeah, that's where we come from, right? That's where we come from wrestling and kind of how it's, it's grown over the years. And I'm always a big fan of the Royal rumble for that reason, right? Because it's this kind of loud, crazy event that actually pays attention to legacy. It brings back people that people like, you know, when you see like, when you see like classic wrestlers come back and, and or you see like someone who hasn't been there in a long time, they'll show back up at, at the Royal Rumble and it'll really excite people. Like the last Royal Rumble I watched, like Edge and Christian got back together for a couple of minutes. And it was just really like wonderful to see that. And it was like for those of us who are in our mid 30s now, it was nice to kind of see that throwback to when we were kids like, oh, Edge and Christian are back together. This is amazing. Kind of like when I went to a Raw after SummerSlam a bunch of years ago and the Dudley boys got back together at that Raw. They both showed up at that Raw and it was just it was, it was unbelievable. I've only been to that one wrestling event in person. And it was one of the best things I've ever been to ever, ever. So I, to your point, I I'm pretty sure Chris, I know you're like a wrestling historian. So correct me if I'm wrong on the year. I think it was like 2001 Royal rumble where uh, you know, there's a great moment where Kane Kane has cleared like the entire field. And uh, <laughs> I believe they bring back the honky tonk, man, the greatest yeah. intercontinental champion of all time. 2001. For one appearance, and that's honestly like in my top three Royal Rumble moments, even though that whole encounter lasts two minutes before Kane smashes his own guitar over him. I know I know, Steve Austin won that year, but to me, that is Kane's Rumble because he had another great moment before that. Yes, the Honky Tonk moment is the, the tops. So I'll good. never forget how hard the entire room of people I was with <laughs> laughed when he rapped, when he just grabbed that guitar because Honky Tonk Man was so proud of himself. I'm yeah. cool. I'm cocky. I'm bad. <laughs> Boom. It was awesome. Moments before that, Drew Carey was an entrant into that year's Royal Rumble. The comedian <laughs> oh Drew Carey, uh, Vince, he was he was getting a little too close with Trish Stratus, who, who was having an affair with Vince McMahon at the time. And Vince walks in Ooh. and says, "Hey, why don't you why don't you take a spot in the Royal Rumble tonight?" And Drew Carey's like, "Oh, okay." Drew Carey was promoting his improv special, or whatever. So he goes in there, and uh, <laughs> he um, happens to be in the ring. I think like. Matt and Jeff Hardy were fighting each other and they were both on the top and they both happened to fall out. So then Drew Carey's the only guy in the ring and he starts jumping around cheering <laughs> and, and then Kane comes out. <laughs> He's just staring at him. And Drew just like pulls a bunch of money out of his pocket. Right there. It's just very funny. And then eventually Drew just like leaps over the top rope and eliminates himself rather than face Kane. That was a good move. Yeah, Kane would have eaten him for lunch. Do you prefer masked Kane or maskless Kane? With is mask. that even a is that even a question? With the mask. Um, yeah, with the mask. Yeah. Does anyone Absolutely. like him with the mask off? I don't know. He's uh, uh, hasn't the mask in a long time. I like Glenn Jacobs, the person who is now the mayor of Knox County without the mask. But, <laughs> but the, char- the character Kane uh, needs. Yeah, to me, the character with the mask. I mean, th- what was more dominant than 1998, 1999 ish Kane? Oh, yeah. so he good. Came out. It's like he took three tombstones to put away at WrestleMania 14. No one kicked out of the tombstone. He yeah. took three to beat. You kidding yeah. me? 
and it was a much better character than Dr. Isaac Yankum. So, you know, <laughs> I think I, I think Kane, while while not my favorite wrestler, by the way, I do like Kane, but not my favorite. I think Kane is the only wrestler that wore like a full face mask that I ever enjoyed. Yeah. Spectacle of. I think because what appeals to me about wrestlers, similar to you too, what you've said is um, I like a guy that can work the mic. Um, and Taker is the only exception for me. I am not that impressed by like specimen wrestlers. Like a Lesnar does not impress me. Mm. I really need a guy who can get on the mic and work it and also can fight. I like, I love Jericho. Do you know what I mean? Like I love, I love guys that are just, they're good on the mic and they're fun and, and they make, make it worth your time. I love heels. I never liked Kane. I liked him even less without the mask. Yeah. Oh, really? See, to me, what was cool about the mask with Kane was it's not like a lucha thing where you know it's it look i get why people like it luchas are not my favorite thing but it's like a cultural thing okay so you wear the mask as a cultural whatever well, that's that's okay yeah and then there's some people they wear a mask because it's like who's under that mask who is that masked man what i liked about kane was he had a backstory and he was covering his face to hide the hideous burns from his childhood fire at the funeral home. So there was a mystery to it. It's like, (laughs) oh my God, what does this guy look like under there? And pre-internet before you knew that was Isaac Yankum. That's a big, that's a big draw. That's like, oh my God, he's this, he's this scarred monster. from. He's the Undertaker's twin brother. Sure. In that, in that sort of Randolph Razamataz spectacle way. Yes, he does. He does work as that. Otherwise, the only masked wrestler I think I ever appreciated really was was Mankind, who, yeah. of course, was already a dude that we knew without the mask and we knew could work a mic. Mm. No, definitely. And that was, you know, Mick Foley is one of those. That's what's also beautiful about wrestling. It's like Mick Foley is the first person to tell you, too. It's like he's not a specimen. He's <laughs> not, you know, like he's not super strong or whatever. The guy's just willing to take a beating and sell it. And yeah. That's that's what's really great about that guy. And I love watching Mick Foley wrestle. I love yeah, watching Mick yeah. Foley wrestle. Because he's just mm-hmm. not afraid. He's fearless. Well, just like, total, totally fearless. He's like, yeah, I'm going to be in a lot of pain, but you're going to be worse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I still watch that, that Hell in a Cell from time to time just because it's so much of a spectacle to watch how much of that sure. match went wrong and how much Mick Foley just kind of was like, let's give him a show. And the showman in me, it's like that is everything to me, right? That is that is everything about wrestling, and that's what what makes it beautiful. And I do still think that there's some great things about wrestling going on right now. But I think we're gonna we're, we'll touch on wrestling, we'll touch on WWE and whatever's in and moving forward because I think Chris has some really great ideas on what WWE could do right now. But I think it's a good idea right now. We're talking about SummerSlam. SummerSlam by the time this airs has just happened, so we don't know the what happened afterward. We don't know the fallout from SummerSlam. We don't know what events had, took place. But I thought it'd be fun as part of this episode to like each of us bring a few matches to the table to put together what I would call a dream SummerSlam. Now, the idea here is that we're creating, each creating three fantasy matches between people who might have wrestled in the same generation, who might not have wrestled in the same generation, people from all time getting together and wrestling. So I think- These are are both possible or impossible matches. Yes, exactly. No, these are both possible or impossible matches. And I think we could just do, you know, if we each want to do one at a time, Let's just let's do it. I want to throw I want to throw one thing out there, Mike. I do have an I I know I went against protocol here. I do have one honorable mention match. So I don't know if you want to do that beforehand or afterwards as kind of an addendum. No, I know. Chris, you're the guest. I also I also have a bonus. I have one. I didn't follow the rules either. More than okay. How about this is not about following the rules. (laughs) Fuck the rules. 
as you know, and I'm going to really try really hard to not mention a certain video game developer during this during this uh, this podcast. We're going to make it. Chris, through he's, one trying, episode. he's trying not say it. to say don't I'm say, say it. it. Don't say it. It's Capcom. Gonna, it, Capcom. No! We beat it. We, we had it. Capcom in every episode. Yeah, every episode. <laughs> and Anya Taylor-Joy. Capcom and, and Anya Taylor-Joy. And, and, and guaranteed. Yeah. <laughs> Anya gets brought up a lot. So. Well, Anya's actually one of my in one of my dream matches. Well, so. good. Oh, perfect. Good. Yeah. Good. Uh, yeah. So she's playing Randy Orton. Yeah. She'd be great. Uh, uh, great she, Orton. She's a chameleon. chameleon. She's a chameleon. She's such a chameleon. Chameleon. So uh, I, I actually, I actually had her wrestling me, but maybe that's for a different podcast. <laughs> that's, that's later, Chris, when you're alone. <laughs> so let's. Uh, all right, honorable honorable mention matches, which make no sense. Uh, if you all guys right. went over three matches, that's fine. So yes. Chris, why don't you kick it off here? Let's give us give us some matches. So my honorable mention uh, is one of two matches that are completely impossible right now to yeah. have, so it could never happen. But it's it's something I would want to see both these guys in their prime. Bruno San Martino. Wow. Versus John Cena. Yeah. Oh, wow. You have two yeah. jacked, two jacked guys, oodles of charisma. You have a built-in like Bruno San Martino sold out Madison Square Garden hundreds of times in a row. John yeah. Cena is Boston. You have it built <laughs> right in, you have it caked right in there. You get like a mix of Boston and 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 New York people in there. It's gonna be a in the, those guys in their prime. Yeah, they blow the fucking roof off the joint. And uh, I'm excited even just talking about it, and that's my honorable mention. Love well, it. it's beautiful. Actually, one of the first wrestling toys I had was a big, like, like gummy. He wasn't like he wasn't like a stretchy toy, but he was like almost stretchy. Bruno San Martino He was like made out of rubber. <laughs> and I'll tell you, if you threw it at someone from across the room or someone threw it at you from across the room, it hurt really bad. I'm not saying that ever happened, but it definitely <laughs> happened multiple times. If you needed a toy weapon, that Bruno San Martino was was perfect. Chris, I love that. What about you, Jordan? What's your honorable mention? Okay, so I want to, in advance, none of my matches are possible, either because these people are dead or because they don't actually exist. Okay. Okay. So that's Here's my bonus match. This was not actually on my card. This is the bonus. I was like, if these guys pull out a bonus, I'm going to pull out a bonus match. My bonus match is this. It is the greatest intercontinental champion of all time, Honky Tonk Man, <laughs> versus... A uh, Double J era country singer, Jeff Jarrett. Oh, shit. Okay. How did I not yeah. think of that? Yeah, oh, that's great. I love that. And, and here's the script, right? It is first billed not as a wrestling match. They are having a music competition, right? So they're going to compete using only their singing voices, right? Basically, they're each going to do a song. The audience votes or whatever. And either uh, the script is that one of them is going to win and then the other will get pissed off. Probably Jarrett will get pissed off. Or... Uh, it results in a tie, and then they have to wrestle. Uh, but this is both of them in their full country star glory, or I guess in Honky Tonk's case, Honky Tonk rock star glory. Uh, and they both get to bring their guitars into the match to fight with as weapons. I love, I love this. It. Um, so that's, I mean, I'm, that's, that's the bonus match. And I'm so sorry. Obviously, because it's Jarrett and Honky Tonk, man, it's for the Intercontinental belt. Of all course. Right. <laughs> now, now, would you bring in Elias at all? Would people walk with this guy, Elias, who also plays a guitar famously? I mean, maybe. I don't know. I don't think Elias can is as good <laughs> as these two <laughs> legends. Uh, no, Elias probably not. Watch. He can referee. He can be the yeah, ref. Oh, that'd be special guest. You know what? That special makes perfect sense. Especially if it's going to be judged as a singing slash guitar yeah. playing competition. You can right. have Elias as your special guest yeah. referee slash judge. You know what? I, yeah, this is Jordan's match. I like Elias, 
But what I would do with him is he might be mad he was left out of the match, and you put him <laughs> and you put him at the commentary table. That's, yeah, 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 yeah. Put him next go. to uh, put him next to you know Jerry the King Lawler and uh, Michael Cole or whoever's Perfect. whoever's hosting nowadays. You know, I don't really have a, a bonus match on on this thing. That's fine. Um, but I would like to see. I would like to see. Well, she's no longer she's we, I mentioned her before. She doesn't wrestle in WWE anymore. She went back to Japan. But I would like to see Kyrie Sane and uh, let's get Kyrie Sane and Alexis Bliss to fight. Uh, let's get those two in there. One on one elbows versus uh, whatever infinite bliss or whatever Alexa Bliss does. I think they're both really great performers. Uh, a lot of spectacle, really great stuff. Going to go ahead and, and say that that's 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 my that's my bonus card. It doesn't really need a lot of history background. I think they're just really great performers that will go in there and give a show. And that's what wrestling's about. So let's get right. into real cards, boys. Yeah. All right. The real card. The Chris, real card. give me your first match. All right. So I'm going to deliver these in, in, in descending order of the ones I, I would want to sure. see. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. like this is like my number three, then two, then my number Fine one. Fine by me. So All right. my, my number three match, like, you know, toward the bottom of my list, it's still a dream match, would be Randy Macho Man Savage. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Versus AJ Styles. Oh, <laughs> now, wow. And let me tell you how it goes down briefly. Randy Savage and AJ Styles, they get in the ring. They have some kind of mix up. They start cutting promos on each other. These guys are sort of evenly matched physically. They're both very agile. They're kind of ahead of their time, uh, their respective times. So they're going to cut great promos on each other. Savage is going to be beating them a little bit on the microphone because Savage is just so off the wall. But AJ's going to hold his own, and Macho's going to be coming out on top week after week, uh, either in the promos or he's going to like pull little tricks on AJ. So we were, think we're going to we're going to be building to a match, and we think we're going to see an even match between two kind of similar guys, and then AJ Styles is going to break out Omas, his big heavy, yeah, and he's going to beat up. They're going to get a bunch of heat on Macho Man. They're going to beat the shit out of him. The announcer is going to be tell AJ is terrible and whatever, uh, and. The odds are going to be stacked against Savage because Omas is going to be in AJ's corner. And then Macho brings out the big guns for the big match. The difference maker, Miss Elizabeth, comes out. Mm. And she gets, she, like, Omas is terrible and starts stalking her around the ring. And the referee gets distracted. But Macho Man takes advantage of the chaos, rolls up AJ, grabs a hold of the tights, wins the match. That's how I would do I, it. I love it. Ooh, I love, I love it. that. That's beautiful. Well done, Chris. Well done. Jordan, what's your number three? My number three match uh, is a spectacle bout between Kane, Kane in his mask era, uh, versus Attitude Kane. Attitude Kane versus Andre the Giant. Oh, big boys. So the setup is this is a match for charity. It's for a children's hospital. And the match takes place in the children's hospital. (laughs) Oh, God. First of all, (laughs) let me just stop you for a second. This is the second episode in a row where a children's hospital has been used as a plot point. You know what? Uh, And Anya Taylor-Joy owns the children's hospital. Okay, Good for her. It's the Taylor-Joy Center for Cancer Research and Childhood Medicine or whatever. Um, So... Bobby the Brain and uh, <laughs> and uh, Paul Bearer, they come center and they're like hyping these guys up and they're saying, oh, but it's all for charity, right? Uh, but I don't know. I think, you know, Bobby the Brain, who's kind of a dick, he just says something really offensive, right? And uh, and Kane is just not having it. And they're, they're both there because they're both there for the children and they need to prove how there they are for the children by beating the fucking snot out of each other. And the, the match rules becomes like anything goes. Just, one of these guys has to pin the other or knock them out. 
Um, they can use anything in the hospital, right? So they're picking up beds. They're picking up children. They're just throwing whatever they can at each other. Uh, Andre takes it eventually, but like it, it is close. And I, I think he is, uh, he's, he's really hurting after that match. Uh, but it's, 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 it's something. Let me tell you. Well, at least he can inject himself with morphine. <laughs> Yeah, the <laughs> there you go. And at the end of the match, uh, Andre is going to uh, personally wheel uh, Kane down into surgery. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. I wow. love that, dude. That is wonderful. That is great. And so I'm and, calling out that's it's the uh, Children's Hospital uh, Championship. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> perfect. Yeah. yeah. For charity. Oh. In parentheses, for charity. For yeah. charity. For no charity. one's being paid for that except for the, the children. Yes, in charity money. I want to be clear. Yeah, <laughs> the children win. Right, the chil- We all, we all win when the children win. Exactly. All of the all of the donation money goes to repairs needed for the uh, <laughs> for the match that took place. That's <laughs> almost. That's yeah. oh, and and when Kane comes back, he comes back with like cyborg parts. No, of course. Ah, uh, now that's cool. Right. That, that that I really like because you find out it was a cyborg children's hospital. You see, so you have the whole storyline. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That, this that. is this is pretty good, man. I think you've, yeah. you've got he a becomes, pretty. He Ooh. becomes Robo Kane. It's like a whole thing. <laughs> well, I hope the guys in Stanford are listening to this. I want Jordan <laughs> to get a job. Yeah, I think that's I think that's necessary. And I, it, it kind of reminds me of the match that for some reason pops up on my social media feed, like. Once every few months of the match of uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Booker T just fighting in a supermarket, which hey, I watch so funny. in its entirety the entire time. Oh, every single the, time it shows up. I love up. matches that don't take place in a traditional wrestling yeah. ring. I it's love, I love Jack on a jackass. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So, uh, yeah, anytime they've ever flipped the script and been like, yeah, this they're fighting, but they're not in the ring is is great. Mike, what is your uh, number three undercard? So my number three undercard is a is I'm a big fan of tag team matches. I think tag team mm-hmm. matches are great. I think sure. they can be super chaotic. I think they're a lot of fun. I think it's a different aspect. It's a different strategy in terms of the mentality of of showcasing it. But I want a triple threat tag team match. Ooh, OK, between the. Very entertaining, very entertaining New Day, who I think is actually a great, hilarious group of people uh, filled with a bunch of nerds. They're a lot of fun to watch versus the New Age Outlaws, who I Mm. think are just an amazing tag team from the Attitude Era. Best the, of best of the attitude era. Probably the opinion. best of the attitude era. Actually, yeah. I think that might be my favorite DX. I think that might be my favorite part of DX. And the New Day and the New Age Outlaws kind of have a similar shtick where they're a team, they're a tag team or a group, and they come out and they do like their, their they have like their shtick when they come out, their thing they say to the audience, they have these chants and stuff that people say. That's all very, very important. And I love how the New Day started out and nobody liked them until they realized that they were just going to lean into the fact that nobody liked them. And then all of a sudden, everyone started to like them because of that. And they became become so much fun. I love Kofi Kingston and, and Xavier Woods and Big E. I think they're very ent- entertaining uh, folks to watch. In this version, I think I would have Big E and Xavier Woods versus the New Age Outlaws versus the Road Warriors. Bring back Hawk and Animal and have them wrestle in a triple threat tag team match. And the reason why I went with these specific groups is because they all have allies. So like the New Day, if you're going to put two in the ring, you're going to have a third guy on the outside. So in this one is going to be Kofi Kingston, who's going to like jump off something and drop kick a guy from like 30 feet in the air. The New Age Outlaws obviously have X-Pac. So someone's getting Bronco Bustered when the when the when the referee's head is turned or he gets knocked out by accident because like, I, I don't know, uh, you know, maybe Billy Gunn accidentally gives him a brain buster or hits someone with another human being or someone gets Irish whipped into the 
into the referee when the heads turn. Xbox comes out and does the Bronco Buster. And uh, with that, I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd bring in Triple H or Shawn Michaels. I think they're too. They're too like classically like important to bring into a match like this. And the Road Warriors have have draws. Uh, so at this point, Draws is still, you know, around. So I think you could bring him in too as, as another third guy to kind of just also, make everything. Uh, Paul Ellering meddling around on the outside too yes. would be nice. Yes, very much so. Very much so. Just meddling around out there on the outside. So you have like these three energetic, fun, ridiculous tag team, tag team, tag teams going at it to kind of represent like some of the best tag teams I think of all time. Well, what I was going to say, Mike, I love about that match is that you kind of plucked arguably from the top echelon of each era that they belong to. Yeah. New Day is one of the top, at least top two or three tag teams of today Yeah, um, in WWE. And you have, L, you know, LOD slash Road Warriors. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, obviously, Legion of Doom. Yeah. Obviously the hottest uh, tag team of the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. And, uh, and then you have New Age Outlaws, which in my opinion, probably top three greatest tag teams of all time. So... <laughs> from fucked right out of the attitude there. I like that. I dig it, Mike. Yeah, you know, I I'm sorry. I totally forgot that they they ended up calling them the Legion of Doom later on. But uh, I obviously they're LOD. They're LOD and WWF, but they're also the Road Warriors. It was yeah inter- interchangeable names. Inter- interchangeable names. But I love that they would come out with those those ridiculous like football shoulder pads that were covered in spikes, and they'd have I, like I, spiders on their face. I wanted those so bad when I was a kid. Those shoulder pads <laughs> with the spikes. So God. cool. Yeah. So cool. And uh, unfortunately, you know, it can't happen. It's an impossible match, but that's that's my number three. Chris, give me your number two. All right. So my number two match isn't technically impossible, but at this point in their lives, the match would be, unfortunately, the drizzling shits. <laughs> but <laughs> in in their prime, I would pay every dollar I had to go watch this live. I have Brett, the hitman heart. Oh, already good. Versus the Olympic hero. Kurt Angle. Oh man, wow. what a technical the, the, masterpiece! The, the excellence, the excellence of execution versus the Olympic gold medalist. It doesn't get more big than that. Who is the greatest technician of all time? It writes itself. I don't yeah, know who. I don't. Beautiful. I don't even. I don't even have a winner because it's just so. I would just want to watch the prize. That's all about how it unfolds. And maybe, but maybe you put a gimmick on this one. Maybe instead of just a one-on-one, maybe you make this an Iron Man or a submission match. Okay. I think a submission match there is perfect because that's that's what both guys are kind of known for, right? You have the, the sharpshooter versus the uh, versus the, the ankle lock. Versus the ankle lock, yeah. Yeah, and then you could really, you could really, and it's USA versus Canada. Yep, right, it's yep, two, yep. like two incredibly the, technical the classic guys. enemies. Exactly, <laughs> two countries, <laughs> two countries that clearly hate each other. Uh, I think that's beautiful. And as for some, for people who are like giant fans of technical wrestling, I don't think you can go wrong there. Yep, hell yeah, you know, beautiful stuff, dude. That's great. I, I, I'm like, I got chills for that. I got chills from that. That's that's amazing. That's a match you want to see. I don't care what era no. you grew up in. That's a that's a that that match makes millions of dollars in a single night. We love to see it, Jordan. Give us your number two. My number two match, which frankly could be a main event match, but I'm, I'm billing it as my number two. Uh, <laughs> it is a fatal four-way. Fatal four-way. I am dubbing King of the Heel. King oh, of the Heel. Baby. The heel. So it's my four, four really favorite heels in a fatal four-way match. I just want to see what they would do with it. So I'm going to lead with, of course, <laughs> himself, million-dollar man Ted DiBiase. <laughs> Uh, certainly the, the greatest heel of when I was starting to watch wrestling. 
right? I'm going to add in a heel era Shawn Michaels. Oh, right? yeah. Oh, top yeah. of his heel era. I'm going to add in, of course, who could forget? Jerry Lawler. Oh, one yeah. Of great, one of the great golden age heels. God. Love right? And then, of True. course, Macho King, Randy Savage. Ooh. Macho King. So th- this this match, obviously, anyone would pay any amount of money to see this. And what I love about these four is that they will do anything to win. So we can just watch them cheat, run away, pull every dirty trick, hide under the ring, you know, knock out the ref, bring in a new ref dressed like the old ref. <laughs> you know, Million Dollar Man could bribe him on stage. I think it would just be great. <laughs> You know, Lawler would probably pretend at some point in the match that he was actually out of the match and he'd be announcing from the sidelines. He would announce as he's wrestling, as he's kicking the shit out of Shawn Michaels. He'd be like, oh, you see what I'm doing here? Look at this. Uh, you know, so I... I oh, I, Shawn Michaels getting kicked in the face. And you know what? Uh, for, I know, you know, late career, Jerry Lawler, like, kind of became a parody of himself. Like, he just started to be, like, sort of the camp version of Jerry Lawler. But dude could really wrestle uh, in oh, the yeah. prime of his career. So if you oh, take him yeah. back, take Lawler back to his prime roots. Uh, I know he's a little... Uh, maybe a little smaller than kind of like the, the really physical wrestlers have become, you know, later, but I, I think he's just terrific. So Dude, if, so if, good. The, if, if the world ended in 1985, yeah. Lawler would arguably be not one of like maybe the top two greatest wrestlers of all time. I, I agree. Mean, Law- yeah. Lawler is, you know, yeah, uh, <clears throat> he's just phenomenal. Yeah. That's awesome. I love and that. Because of him, we got King of the Ring. So thanks, Jerry. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> King of the Ring is great. I love that. That's that's a tournament. Well, I don't think they still do it to the same degree they used to, but no, they I may, love they, the King of the Ring. It's coming back in my pitch, but we'll talk about Ooh, it. Oh, all right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, you're I love it. Uh so thanks, Chris. Thanks. Thanks, Jordan, for that. And Chris, Chris's main event. Chris, give me your main <clears throat> My main event is actually technically possible. And if it were to happen today, right now, it would be awesome. But the more time, but but that doesn't mean likely or even remotely probable. This would happen. The amount of things that would have to happen for this match to take place uh, are are just probably not in the cards. So, but that said, that said, my main event, my big match, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh, yeah. Versus CM Punk. Oh, yeah. Wow. Wow. They, they, They were teasing it. Both of those guys will shred on the microphone. The promos will be electric. The storyline leading up to it is great. You have Austin, one of the most prolific beer drinkers in pro wrestling. CM Punk is straight edge. You got all that great stuff yeah. in there. The 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 the, fuck, the the promos alone, the stuff those two would do to each other on the microphone um, would <clears throat> be off the charts. And that would be the biggest match you could put together right now. And that would sell the most tickets bar none in pro wrestling of the people living today. You know, Austin is retired. He's not interested in coming back. And, you know, CM Punk is also probably not going to be in WWE again, but yeah, that's, that's my match, man. Great. I want to see it. I'm really upset that CM Punk's not around anymore. Uh, I, I think he's a monster performer. I've always been a fan of his, uh, not just because I really love punk rock music, but I just think he's just awesome. I, I think he's one of the most underrated wrestlers. And I think they've, they've been missing him. They've been missing his, they don't have anyone in WWE today that has that dynamic and his ability to hover between heel and face yeah. is so, so cool to watch. Something Austin also did very well, by very the way, because well. he behaved like a heel, but the fans loved him. Yeah. He was he, like, yeah. Yeah. In 97, 98, he was like beating up cameramen, stunning people for no reason. You know, he was behaving like heels behaved, but the fans just loved it. Also, I think CM Punk would really sell the stunner <clears throat> really well. And that's, that's like, to me, everything. 
if someone still sells the stunner really well, nothing better than that. So that's that's a beautiful match, Chris. Thank yep. you for that. What about you, Jordan? All right, my my main event. I will preface this by saying that this is a match that many many people, maybe everyone, has fantasized about, and somehow they just never got it to happen. So I have to bring it up on this show because I have like eternal blue balls for this. So I'll describe how <laughs> I would do it. It's it's the major event here at my version of you know SummerSlam or whatever. And we know that it's going to be Taker, and we think it's going to be Taker versus Bray Wyatt, which we've seen. Yeah. We've seen Taker versus Wyatt. So, you know, it's kind of like who who is the big Lord of Darkness, right? Some spooky shit. And it's, you know, it's it's billed as like Taker versus Bray Wyatt. It's going to be like a buried alive match, which, by the way, as a huge Taker fan, there was never anything cooler than when they would do a buried alive match. I think there's only been four, maybe not, five. Not many. Yeah. Just Ever? a handful. And they're yeah. hard to pull off, like in the storyline, because it's kind of a ridiculous concept. You have to basically KO your opponent and then bury them in dirt. Uh, <laughs> but it's so fucking cool. Yeah. So just amazing. So it's we've got this build taker Bray Wyatt match, and Bray Wyatt comes out and he's doing his whole you know voodoo Southern schlock, um, and it's it's awesome. He's not not doing not doing the mask freak shit. And then the lights go out, the bell tolls, Taker shows up, crowd goes wild. It's awesome. And then the lights go out again. Okay, and when the lights come up, <clears throat> Bray Wyatt is like either unconscious in the ring or he's um, unconscious like, you know, on the sides, like somewhere like he's been basically tossed out, but there's no other opponent. And you're like, who, well, where's the where's the other opponent who shut out the lights? And then Sting drops from the rafters. Yeah. Finally get what we waited like 30 years for, yeah. which is Sting versus Taker, which is like the to me the the biggest match that just never happened yeah um and in a buried alive match and to mike's credit yeah i want the crow era sting so these yeah. are like our two big 90s goth lords big wwf slash e versus wcw for all time who is the lord of darkness you know and, I love and these two finally fucking fight. And of I course, I would love a final tombstone for Sting before he gets fucking buried. Because no, <laughs> no way Taker's losing that fight. Um, Taker, the Phenom doesn't lose that match. No way. Yeah. <clears throat> but um, uh, a great fight. And one, I was I was just so upset it like never happened. And even Me as too. like even as like Taker was entering like his retirement years or his first set of retirement years, I was like, maybe they'll still squeeze that in there. But they just, you know what? It never it never happened. And yeah. I was always like upset it never happened. So that's that's my main event is a buried alive match. Announced for Wyatt versus Taker, but becomes Sting versus Taker. Oh, that's so good. I love it. I I, I would, yeah, I, obviously that's a massive match. I think a lot of fans have had that fantasy. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think I think it was actually probably going to happen, and, uh, but Sting got injured uh, in yeah. his latest run in WWE. And so I think if that injury hadn't happened, we would have got it. But there are a yeah. lot of circumstances, Shame. contracts, injuries. It just never, never occurred. Especially yeah. when you got guys who are getting older, they get injured more more easily. So sure. it's, it's a shame. But Taker was like, as I said in the beginning of the show, Taker was one of those wrestlers. I just, I loved him on site. And I knew if I ever got the chance, I was like, oh, I'm going to design a main event. It's got to be Taker. And who's who's Taker's greatest opponent? He's really, he's fought the masses over the years, but the, the one that got away to me was always Sting. Beautiful. I All love right. it. And uh, Mike, your main event. So my main event is very fitting with the type of wrestlers I like. I've always, my entire life, have been a loudmouth. Uh, and because of that, I've always been fond of the loudmouth wrestlers. And tonight you've heard me talk about like appreciation for CM Punk. He's actually not in my main event. I want the two best guys, in my opinion, ever on the mic to wrestle in a cage match. Ooh. 
it is going to be something that they build up for months. And this is obviously a fantasy match. There is no way on earth that this match could ever happen at this point. It's totally <laughs> upsetting, but you do okay. what you can. And I want, I want it to be a cage match. So the whole, the rule is that you got to climb out of the cage, right? You got to climb out of the cage. So for this match, I want the flying elbow smash versus the people's elbow. Oh, yes. I want the rock versus macho man, Randy Savage. And I want the promos to happen for months. I want this building up for months. I want the rock to call him out that he's not even that macho. He's not, he's, he's not the cream of the crop because the rock is the most electrifying man in sports entertainment. And I want them to go at each other constantly on the mic. I want there to be some matches here or there where they embarrass each other. And I want this match to be in the old school style cage match, not hell in the cell, old school cage. You have to get out of the cage. So that means you just have to knock the other guy senseless and climb out. And what's the what's going to happen? I think The Rock wins this one. I think when ends really? up happening, okay. All I right. think I think Macho Man and The Rock do their thing. Rock gives him a rock bottom. You, you, you know how you get around that, Mike? If I may, if I yeah, may add a potential it, creative it. element, yes. I think Savage gets Rock down in the yes. match. Yes, climbs to the top of the cage, is ready to go out, and then has a second thought, and drops the fucking elbow on him from the top of the cage. Yep. And it's a great moment. It's a highlight reel moment. But had he just gone out, he would have won. And then The Rock is going to get his shit together in the next few minutes. <laughs> yeah. And he's going to get out and Savage is going to regret it. But he'll have been the highlight of the night. Exactly. Yeah. So you get that beautiful image in, of Randy Savage giving that elbow to smash to The oh, Rock while he's on the ground from the top of the cage. Because obviously, right? And then I think what you ha- what happens after something like that is The Rock gets hit with the elbow smash. It's a big moment. Obviously, Randy Savage can't pin him. So The Rock gets up, probably gives him a spine buster gives them the people's elbow and then climbs out. And I think that's the way to do it. Obviously it's hard to have Randy lose that match, but if you give, it's kind of like the Shawn Michaels versus Ric Flair match, right? You know, it's kind of like something like that in terms of like, you know, classic versus like Neo classic wrestling. And you give, you give, you give Randy Savage the moment, but rock the W. So in the end, they both kind of have a win, you know, but I got to say it. Not not the match I thought you were going to pitch. Really? I thought you, you were going to pitch? Yeah. I thought I heard cage match and I was like, all right, it's happening. This was I thought you were going to pitch me <laughs> the human spider versus Bonesaw McGraw. Oh, Bonesaw <laughs> is ready. <laughs> I, I didn't sign up for a cage match. Hey, it's no. Spider-Man. It's, what I are you doing it. up there? <laughs> hey, freak show. I got you for three minutes and it would be called three, three minutes, minutes of playtime. Play time. That would be my pay-per-view. Three <laughs> minutes of playtime. I actually have a, a someone on Etsy. I found it on Etsy. They did a they did a cover for that for a comic book called Three Minutes of Playtime. Oh, beautiful! I'm definitely going to frame and put on the walls of my house when uh, when my my house is not no longer under construction. So we have built quite the SummerSlam. I, I think this 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 event kind of embraces everything SummerSlam <laughs> yeah. is about. We have no holds barred matches. We have a cage match. We have tag dead matches. People. There are dead people that come back <laughs> to life. It's beautiful. So guys. Thank you so very much on this episode of How About This for coming up with what I would say is probably one of the most watchable events that I think I've ever heard, ever. Yeah, ever. Literally defies the laws of space, time, life, and death. Yes. Yeah, but so do we. So do, so do we, right? I mean, for all intents and purposes, the world might end, but podcasts are eternal. Once you say something on here and it gets put out into the world, everyone knows about it. So, That's right. Gandhi said that. Yeah, Gandhi did say that podcast will will eventually outsurvive all of us. But guys, that was wonderful. That was that was just really really beautiful stuff. But I believe that 
Chris, you have some ideas. And yeah. we'll do a pitch here on how to I'm, fix I'm, up wrestling. I'm, I'm glad we talked about how much we like wrestling because my pitch really focuses on a lot of the things about the modern show that I don't like. And I'm very careful to, I want, I want to make this caveat before I get into my pitch. It's WWE's problem is not a lack of talent. Oh, definitely not. It's not like, oh, those old wrestlers were so much better. There are problems with the show. So it's not the the roster at all. So I'm not one of these guys that's like, oh, just it'll just oh it was always better in the old days. But you have to present it in a way that is going to show them off in the best way possible. And you also have to showcase the right people and you have to kind of make decisions. One of my biggest issues with modern wrestling is what, what they call 50, 50 booking, which is where nobody really feels like they're the top guy. Cause you're hot one second, then the next three months you're cold. And it's sort of like somebody starts getting hot and they pull them back and nobody gets bigger than the brand anymore. Like Steve Austin, the rock Hogan, these guys are larger than life. And one of my issues with modern wrestling is here's a best example of what I'm talking about. In 1987, people bought tickets to see Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant. The event could have been called Fafafluza, for all you know. It happens to be WrestleMania 3, okay? Now, people <laughs> buy tickets for WrestleMania, and they don't know who's on the card. Yeah. They don't even know who's going to be wrestling. You just buy your WrestleMania tickets. So there's this fundamental attitude, it feels like, in WWE, that we're not going to let anybody be bigger than the brand. And that has to change because yeah. it's, it's ultimately the stars and the personalities. They're going to draw the eyes. Now I, I, the last caveat, and then I'll get into it is that my plan would never be enacted because it would cost them a lot of money. And I'm speaking purely from a creative aspect, what I would like to see on my television as a fan, but the way their business model works now, my plan would, would make them all drink bleach as for, <laughs> yeah. on, on, in the, on the corporate side of things. Yeah, so, right. you know, that said, how about this? Oh yeah. We're going to build our, Take our time getting to WrestleMania 38, which is the next WrestleMania installment. And we're going to follow whatever plan they have in place now. So if I'm put in Vince McMahon's chair right now, we're going to follow whatever plan they have on paper for WrestleMania 38. Okay. And we're going to kind of coast as best we can on autopilot through that date. Mm -hmm. Because behind the scenes, everybody is going to be relearning things and learning new things. Then at some point, we're going to announce an off-season for pro wrestling absence makes the heart grow fonder gives the wrestlers a little time to catch up but here's the thing i'm just talking about the in-ring stuff wrestlemania 38 happens and then we're going to just take two months off everybody as far as the fans are concerned there's no live events no pay-per-views monday night raw is either going to be a replay or you can do interview packages you can see how the champ uh, feels after their victory at wrestlemania do like you know, they have so much content they can fill that time with. So it's not yeah, a lack. It's not. It's not that we're not putting on a show. It's just that we are not holding any in-ring action for two months. Wrestling now has an off season. Let's people build up anticipation. WrestleMania is the climax of all your stories. Maybe you do like Raw, SmackDown that next week just to resolve any last loose ends, and you take two months off. We're coming back in June with King of the Ring. Oh, baby. King wow, of the Ring is the wow, wow, wow. Is, so King of the Ring is always about kind of seeing who the next big guy is. So it makes sense that that's like a good place to start yeah. your your season, right? And you go through, and then you're ramping up. Royal Rumble is your playoffs, and WrestleMania is your finale, and then you take your off season. So that's what the new WWE calendar looks like. Then 
we're going to fire half the writers. Now, before anyone calls me uh, <laughs> cruel for this. You're cruel uh, for this. <laughs> well, to, to that, I say there's never been a better time to be a TV writer because there's more content than ever. The, those writers are fine. I, I know, you know, the people they have writing for them are going to be fine. But we have a situation, in my opinion, where you have too many cooks in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. You have like 10 people writing the tag team division on SmackDown and 10 people. It's like it, it's, it's, it's just too much. It's too much at its best. It was written by a handful of guys out near Vince McMahon's pool. So uh, it's, it's just <laughs> you, you need kind of a, a singular vision. Um, we are going over a what I like to refer to as a rebranding strategy for WWE. Wrestling started from the old carnival system. That's kind of like the history yeah. of, of where it traces back to. The carnies would go through town and you'd have this big guy. All right, who wants to face get in this ring and face the monster from Munaki? And you pull up some you pull up some hometown bumpkin who's a plant and yeah. you bring him in there and you know they fight. And then somebody had the idea at some point, you know, if we were fixing these, we could make a killing. And that's how wrestling just kind of, you know, you start working these fights. Yeah. And I think because wrestling got so big and there were so many fundamental changes to the way wrestling was presented in the Attitude Era because you had a once-in-a-lifetime collection of unbelievable talent and they caught into a kind of a cultural vein. While the Attitude Era was undeniably a high point, they undid a lot of the fundamental things that helped the show in the long run. So we're going to kind of, I think wrestling's got a little bit up its own ass and there's not, like I think the average American who used to watch a lot of people used to watch that don't watch anymore. Like most people you talk to have some memory of wrestling at some point in their lives, but you watch it now and it feels like they're just kind of like catering to the most hardcore people who watch every single week. So the, the magic here is that those people are going to watch no matter what. So you don't have to cater to them. You have to pull in the people who are going to be flipping the channel and say, my God, what's happening here. Right. And the way you do that is you kind of have to build yourself with a little bit more credibility. The wrestlers are going to take acting classes uh, and they're on um, their off season. They're going to learn how to deliver believable speeches there. You know, Cause I don't, I, you know, I don't know what they're taught, but they're going to watch the classic promos. Um, there's, we're going to pare down the presentation a little bit. I like some of the hoopla ballyhoo pyro, but like no fucking led lights on the actual ring. Like, you know, like that just, it, it looks shitty to me. I don't like it. Okay. Um, no more corporate speak. Like the, 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 the you, you listen to these guys talk and they script they superscript these promos now because the environment we're in culturally you don't want somebody to say the wrong thing on TV so they write them word for word but the problem is they have so much corporate language you can't talk about fans on the WWE broadcast you have to refer to them as the WWE universe but what that does is it doesn't let the characters have their own voice. Some might call them the WWE Universe. Some might call them fans. Some might call them idiots. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> right, ha- yeah, ha- ham and eggers, as, as the Bobby the Brain would say. Yeah. So when you script the promos and you have too much hyper corporate speak, everyone sounds like they're speaking from the same voice. And you can almost see the wrestlers like trying to memorize their lines. And it just, there's something missing from it for me. So you take the scripts away and the way you fix the fact that it's a, you want to keep the show family friendly. I'm not talking about reverting back to the chicanery and nonsense of the attitude era, but you just have a list of stuff you can't talk about. Don't talk about this political issue. Don't say these specific words. Other than that, you give a wrestler their bullet points for their promos and let them use their own personality and verbiage. So let the characters be the characters. Yeah. Yes. 
it, it, Austin 316's famous Austin 316 speech would have never happened in today's environment because some writing intern is, is writing the promos word for word. And, you know, Austin got bullet points. He, he heard from some of the creative people. He was like, all right, what did Jake, because he was given the promo on Jake Roberts. What did Jake say about me? Okay. And then he just went out and responded and it was natural and it was him. Yeah. So you just say, Hey guys, don't say fuck shit, cock, piss, whatever, all the words you can't say. Don't talk about geopolitics. Nobody talk about, you know, whatever. And everything else is on the table. Just make sure you keep it focused in under two minutes or whatever the hell it is. Right. Yeah. A couple other little things that, that have been bugging me about modern wrestling that we're going to get rid of no more heel authority figures. We've done that to death. Like I love, obviously it came out of the Vince McMahon, Steve Austin dynamic. And since then WWE has had this heel authority figure problem for a while. You need a neutral, you need a Jack Tunney, the promotion rest WWE in this case needs to be a neutral arbiter for the wrestlers and needs to kind of just come in and, and fix wrongs. And it also makes the heels more effective because if the company itself is corrupt and then it makes it harder for the heels to cheat because yeah, right. everyone's cheating. Right. So yeah. it's like the, you the need nor- the norm is the cheat. Yeah, right. Exactly. So that, you know, for the heels to get heat and to get people mad at them, the promotion has to set rules that they break. And for yeah. that to happen, the, the, the WWE needs to recalibrate itself to be the good guys. And that also helps them get wrestlers in, over with the crowd because wrestlers like reject anybody WWE pushes to be at the top because they've been taught that, oh, WWE, they're the bad guys. Right. Whoever hence, they like, they're the machine. They're, yeah, exactly. Hence all the problems with uh, poor Roman Reigns there. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You need a Jack Tunney. You need a Gorilla Monsoon. You need somebody who's like neutral or t- to fan favorite that can step in and say, yeah. hey, you cheated. The good guy gets a rematch. That kind of thing. Yeah. Could any of the existing authority figures be rehabilitated into that role? Daniel Potential- Bryan. Yes, I, I think so. Uh, I, although in my personal vision for the next two years of wrestling, I am. I don't want to see a McMahon on my television. I love the McMahons; they're very entertaining. Okay. But but I, I want to kind of do a forward look thing, and because the McMahons have done this heel authority stuff for so long, just kind of keep them in the back for so a little who's, while. Who's your new big guy in charge then? Well, we can talk about that. I have lists of like who I'm who I'm going for here. Okay. Um, so uh, the last thing I want to talk about structurally, and then I want to talk about like specific wrestlers, is um, we're not kicking out of finishers. I missed the days when someone hit their finisher and it was over. Yeah. Yeah. The snake Roberts hit that DDT. No one was getting up. And then you save the finisher kickouts for the most rare of big matches. That's it. And then you, we're going to bring back managers. I want managers back in a big way because not, not, yeah, exactly. Not only are they great, were they great to have, but they serve a practical function. Some of the guys just can't talk the way they used to talk in, in wrestling. Yeah. And some of the guys, but here's the secret. A lot of guys back then, these big muscle heads couldn't talk. So you slap them with a the manager, Captain you know, Lou. exactly. Uh, Bobby, the brain, Jimmy, mouth, mouth of self, Jimmy Hart. So I'm going to, uh, so the, so now I want to talk about specific talents. Here's who I think you just mentioned it. Uh, who would I pick for my authority figure? WWE is going to have to shell out some bucks and see when his contract with AEW is up, but I would make this a top priority for me. There's a couple people rumored for AEW that you have to snag up, and uh, one of them that is with AEW that I would snag up, and he would be my on-air authority figure because the fans love him, Jim Ross. Yeah. Okay. Jim Ross. You bring him back to the company to train the next generation of announcers because the next generation of announcers have been trained by Michael Cole, and they all sound like it. 
So I want Jim Ross to train some announcers. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And you bring him, I think Jim Ross is kind of a fair arbiter. He can get a little mad, a little heated, but he comes out there and he's the guy who sets things right, you know? Uh, So I would love that. And then I have a list of different categories for wrestlers to build looking forward to WrestleMania 40. Like we want to get certain people into big star positions by WrestleMania 40. So I have broken down. I looked at the WWE's current roster page okay, and I broke down into several categories. I have attraction, what I call attraction wrestlers, the guys that I would make my current top at the start of the season, future guys, guys we're looking to push into the stratosphere by WrestleMania 40. And then what a group I call workhorse jobbers, which are guys that have a little something <laughs> and they can put on good matches, but they're ultimately there to be beaten by the future stars. Right. They're there, you know, and then I have my top women and who I want on my manager's team. My attraction wrestlers, and some of them have to be purchased into the company, are right. CM, CM Punk, mm-hmm. John yeah. Cena, yeah. Brock Lesnar, yeah. Edge, Rey Mysterio, Triple H, and Jeff Hardy. Wow. Wow. Those are the Sold guys. A lot of money. The, yeah, those are the guys you bring in for the big match. Yeah, the WrestleMania attraction. A couple times a year, you need somebody to really get blasted into the stratosphere and have a good microphone thing with somebody. You bring in one of these guys. The last attraction, and the reason I'm only billing him as an attraction right now, I actually have huge plans for this guy, Bray Wyatt. Yeah. You, you send him you send him an apology letter for firing him. Yes. And then you bring him back because you do not want AEW to get their hands on this guy. If you're WWE, I couldn't believe they let Bray Wyatt go. Shocking. Wild, Shocking. Wild. I have him in three categories. Here's what I would do with Bray Wyatt. I'm going to center a lot of my show around him. It's amazing that they fired him. Here's the thing. My issue with Bray Wyatt, he's he's electric on the microphone. He's got a great personality. And I wasn't so much into The Fiend, but the Wyatt family character. Yeah. That Southern Bayou cult leader thing yeah. was one of the best characters I've seen them premiere on their television. It was cool. Yeah. In decades. It was terrifying. In decades. So what you do with him is what you do with all cult leaders. Because my only issue with Bray Wyatt is they had him wrestling too much. They had him losing too much. Bray Wyatt is an attraction in that he's only going to wrestle three or four times a year, but he's present every week. He's the cult leader. He's going to bring people in. He's going to amass a giant stable. He's going to use his silver tongue. You don't get to fight Bray Wyatt directly. You have right. to get through his goons. Yeah. And he always has more goons. He's always manipulating people. You're he's so getting, right. Yeah. So he's right. like, it's like you're building a new ministry around the yes. Wyatt family, you yeah. know? He, yep. Yeah. And he uses that kind of that mysticism, that that that's cult like and he's like that cult leader. This is Nexium. This is Scientology. Yeah. But it's yeah. that Southern Bayou thing. It's got we, the we talk about this related to actually Dungeons and Dragons a lot, yeah. which is uh, a game that you know habitually uses cult leaders as villains. Mm. Uh, to get a little bit of intrigue in the game, you actually have to show people what is appealing about being part of this cult in the first place. Yes. You know what I mean? And Bray Wyatt is such a presence <laughs> and such a personality. I mean it would be cool to like lure some fans into the cult of Bray Wyatt, right? Get him, get involved in that cult of personality. Yes. Yeah. So he's a centerpiece of the show. And because I, I've, you know, he's had a lot of matches that I think were duds and he's been so damaged for a while. 
he has to kind of lay out and you really only use him when you have to. But when you use him, he fucking shreds you in minutes. I mean, he beats you badly. He beats you bloody and he beats you fast because someday someone's going to best him and it's going to be a massive deal. But he needs to be dangerous and he needs to be elusive and he needs to be shielded by his guys. I would build the company around him. I'm not even like that's that's my yeah. theory. Well, he's also a good age, right? He's right. a good age for it too. He's got some long, you know, he can he can be around for a while, especially if he's not wrestling all the time. Yep. Yep. So that said, my current top guys, like the top eight wrestlers you're gonna see in the main event starting at the beginning of my season. These are guys that are main eventing the pay-per-views and the guys that need to have the good matches with the younger guys. Yeah. Uh my my big eight are gonna be AJ Styles, Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre, Randy Orton, Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns. Samoa Joe, Kevin Owens. And if you give them the environment that I've provided, where they're allowed to cut their own promos, where they're allowed to use their own verbiage, develop their own characters, those guys are going to thrive. Yeah. And and especially their matches are going to get better because there's not going to be a million. You're not going to kick out of everybody's finisher. Their finishers are going to be like, oh, when they hit that, that's over. When Drew McIntyre hits that DDT, it's done. RKO, you're done. That's it. Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere, right? And the future... The guys that are going to be breaking through that I want to have some kind of leverage into main event status. I mean, this is like from WrestleMania 40 through the WrestleMania 40s. These are the guys I have my eye on. If you build them right and if you put them in the good matches against like the Wyatt family people, you get them in a hot tag team, whatever. These are the guys I'm looking at when I look at the roster that I'm like. Those guys have star potential. I see Adam Cole from NXT. I see Elias. Some people mm-hmm. might laugh at me, but I think that guy, he has something. There's something there. He just needs a little bit more focus. And he needs a last name. I don't yeah. know what WWE's thing is with these one-name characters, but it's stupid. People have two names. Uh, <laughs> it's, I, like They do that all the time. They did it to Rusev. He was Alexander Rusev, and then he was just Rusev. It's just, and they, they love uh, getting rid of people's name. I don't know what that's all about. That that would stop. People that's have a two branding names. thing. For they them. wanted they yeah. wanted a Zangief. That's really what they wanted. Yeah. They well, want everybody to be Sting. You know? Look, yeah, yeah, you can you can do it once or twice, but like to have like ten guys on your roster with no first or last name, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, so I would give Elias some kind of other name. Uh, again, a lot of wrestling fans are going to groan at me for this next one, but I think I, I swear to God, I see it. I I, I have an eye for talent. I think Jinder Mahal is a great, like, foreign heel bad guy. Yeah. Okay. And and he just has he has a presence. He has a look when he's like he they gave him a title run that was a little bit of a dud a couple of years ago, in my opinion. Like they didn't do it right, but he carried the title well. Like when he came out with the suit and the turban on, and he had like that arrogant sneer before he opened his mouth or got in the ring, there was something there. And I think there's something to work on there. So I would I would find a I would find a role for him. Okay. Then you got Keith Lee. Shinsuke Nakamura. Yeah. Omas, who would be one of the biggest people in wrestling at any sane era. You love Omas. You love Omas. He's gigantic. He's like yeah. eight feet tall. He's yeah. ridiculous. He's a huge. You just just on size alone, he gets through. You yep. develop his personality. You never take him off his feet. You never beat him. Like in and then in, in 10 years, when somebody picks him up for the slam, like Hogan did to Andre, it's a it, the place explodes. You pick your spots. You don't put them on every week. But a guy like Omos, you bring him out two, three times a month, and he just crushes people, and you can't get him off his feet. That's that. it. That's all you need to do. And you stick a manager on him because I have a bunch of managers we're going to put in because I'm bringing the managers back. Hell yeah. We are not just, the wait, back. not just Paul Heyman? Jim not Cornette. Ju- no. 
Oh God, I would die if Cornette came back. I would be so happy, but that never happened. <laughs> I, and uh, I like Paul. I like Paul Heyman. I just like yeah. he's like the only guy they use. Uh, and I'm almost, sorry. I'm almost no, done with my my, my, my 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 next generation of guys. Robert Roode looks like a million bucks. A lot of talent. Sami yeah. Zayn. Yeah, Sami Zayn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Riddle. Yeah. Riddle. Yeah. He is the most punchable looking motherfucker. <laughs> I've seen. like I want to slap the That's shit important. out of him. That's important. It, God, he annoys the shit out of me. And he annoys the shit out of people backstage, from what I understand. So good, like that. That means that he's he has credibility. I think Chad Gable is incredibly talented, underrated. Cesaro, and Big E, and I think yeah. Big E. I'm building Big E to be my top babyface of the next generation. Big E's great, I, I, but but I want but here's the caveat because I know you like New Day. I'm keeping Kofi and Xavier in New Day as a tag team, mm-hmm. but Big E is gonna break out and he's gonna right. get a, he's gonna get a little more he's serious. The, he's the bust out from the team. I think yeah. he's kind of I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, the breakout yep. rather. Yeah, yep. okay. definitely. Uh, my workhorse jobbers, the guys who can put on a great match but uh, aren't but but are there to be beaten ultimately. Oh, the jabronis. They're in the no, ensemble. they're not jabronis because they're you're gonna f- like. There are there are like 50 people on the roster. I didn't I didn't put anywhere on my list. Those are the guys you just feed to without thinking like the true jobbers. These are the like the mid card jobbers like they have a little bit of credibility, but ultimately at the big match, they lose. These are these are the okay. company. These are the company members in this troop of players. Yeah, I Correct. get it. Yes. And in this eight, you have Apollo Crews, mm-hmm. Baron Corbin. Yep. Dolph Ziggler. Yep. Finn Balor. Yeah. John Morrison. R-Truth. Ricochet and Sheamus. I like those. Nice. those. Those guys all have something. They're good personalities. I want them on TV. But in the end, they're there to propel the guys on my previous list mm-hmm. into the next level with the main eventers. I like that. I guess we have to accept that Sheamus is in decline at this point. I think Sheamus I, has he, been a jobber for a long time. He, yeah. th- he's been, he's been, unfortunately, he's been mishandled to the point that I don't know that he's able to be repaired. Uh, he just lacks. I feel like he's one of those guys, like I like Seamus, but like it, it would have happened for him if it was you're, going you're to. Right. It used, mm-hmm. he used to be such a presence though. It's just, it's a shame that even, uh, even you, who's, you know, I, I think really a fan of his is just like, yeah, he's, you know, he's in the, he's in the cast. <laughs> yeah. 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 But then um, again, many people didn't even make your list. So we should be yeah, happy. He's here at true. all. I, I do have a women's list, not multiple women's lists because the women are important to the modern show, but there's just not as many on the roster. So I didn't mm-hmm. leave women out because I'm a sexist asshole. Well, you but, are. You are. I mean, accusing you of that debatable. Right now. We need right, but apology. my list, my, I don't have a singular list because of that is my point. I, yes, it's a separate yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> top woman in the company is Charlotte Flair. It's not even close. No, yep. not even close. Mm-hmm. She we carries agree. her. She carries herself like a star. Right. She's a, she looks great. She she's one of the best wrestlers in the company, period, man or woman. That's it. Charlotte Flair is who you build the division around. And then the, the rest of the people on my list are Alexa Bliss, although I would take her out of the Fiend thing. I, yeah. I, did, yeah, I didn't we, care for I it. I hate that shit. Yeah. I, liked, I liked pre-Fiend Alexa Bliss a lot. Asuka, Becky Lynch, Bailey, Bianca Belair, Carmella, Lacey Evans, Naomi, Nikki Ash, although I would change the gimmick. I don't like the, the superhero thing, uh, the almost superhero thing. Rhea Ripley and Sasha Banks. Those are my 12 women that are like, I'm going to center, f- feature them. And the rest of the women on the roster get fed to them like a lawnmower, man. Just, <laughs> you, you know, uh, now here's where things really get fun. I have a manager's list and I, I know Jordan's going to love this one. Do it. And Bray Wyatt is on my manager's list because he's yep. going to be in a mixed role. He's a manager okay. slash right. feet slash attraction guy slash main eventer. But you only break him out for the big matches. Love it. Here's who I'm bringing in for a manager role. At this point in his career, we are going to bring back heel Jerry Lawler, not as a commentator. (laughs) And he is going to be like the old king in fantasy stories that thinks he's just going to live forever. (laughs) 
and is living vicariously by recruiting a stable of young asshole guys. Yeah. And we're going to let him cut scathing promos. And he is just going to be, he is going to thrive as an older it. guy because he's, that. yeah, yeah. So, so good. Year to year right now. So good. Yeah. Right? So good. So you, you pick some of my few, my arrogant future guys, like you get him with like a Bobby Roode or something. Yeah. It's, it's magic. You just, yeah. he just pulls in the young guys, creates yeah. this like, you know, just like, that's his role. He's the arrogant old King yes. who is throwing the young guys oh, up. I love the, that. You know, I he, fucking and, love Lawler. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Lawler's awesome. Uh, I'm pulling, Michael Koloff commentary. I'm going to make him a sniveling manager. Ooh, <laughs> okay. wow. MVP has done a nice job. I'm keeping him as a manager. Mm-hmm. I, I am I am calling Miz, the Miz in for an uncomfortable conversation to tell him, listen, you're valuable to this company. You're a hard worker. You're done in the ring, but you're going to be one of our top peel managers. And right. he's, like he's going to be great. He can still do his Miz TV thing, put him on the microphone, but he's Miz is going to retire into management. And you have Paul Heyman and Titus O'Neil. And those, that's it. That's all you love need. It. Beautiful. I, think that's I love that. Yeah, exactly. So there you go. And that's, that's kind of, that's my vision for WWE. Wow. I, I, Chris, dude, that's round, really, round really beautiful wow. stuff, man. Way to Thank fix, you. way to fix all the problems they're having without, you know, several billion dollars. I think, well, I think we have it, but anyway, that's, that's great. That's, that's my vision for the WWE roster Chris, as I it stands. That. I love that it honors the legacy of, of the company, but also it actually incorporates a lot of what we loved specifically. The three of us loved about what was so great about really the 80s 90s wrestling leading up to the attitude era and including the attitude yeah, era for sure um and it, it brings that back to something that i think has felt um i hope i'm not step you know overstepping when i say it, it's felt a little sterile and a little yeah. tired of right it, yeah. the whole thing needs a fresh coat of paint but you Definitely. do that but you do that by going back to the roots mm-hmm. with what you know works structurally yeah. but you let the new talent showcase itself you know so this is all about showing the new talent you just use the old methods that are, are tried and true and there's yeah. tons of new talent, like you said, and, and it's yeah. just not being not, represented properly. My my top guys are all like new school guys. I'm not like I, I I'm keeping the jet like even the people like the Edge and, and Brock Lesnar who are yeah. big big guys. Those are attractions. You bring them in yeah. like two three times a year most. Sure. But your my, show, my your show is built on those other guys. Yeah. My favorite part of your pitch, Chris, and I'm going to commend you for this, uh, is absolutely uh, <laughs> bringing back Jerry Lawler in a yeah. significant role. Mm-hmm. And bringing back King of the Ring along with that, by the way, which I yeah. think is great. Because how how better to host that, right, than yeah. to have Jerry Lawler do Lawler that? Lawler there is awesome. And then, yeah. of course, finally, someone who I think really understands Bray Wyatt and uh, what that could be. Oh, yeah. it could be so excellent. You just have to pick your spots and, and know how to work with the guy. I would... He'd be he'd be the biggest star in wrestling for the next he'd be the next Undertaker as much as there you can be. No one will ever replace Mark Calloway or do what he was able to do. You mean Mark Callis? Yeah, but but you, you you set something up for the kids to be scared of. You create a guy who's genuinely menacing and threatening, and yeah. he's a boss. He doesn't step in unless he absolutely has to. Oh, and you right. got to get you got to get through every one of his goons before you can even touch him. Totally, no, I think totally that's right. So good. I think that's so good. And also, like nothing was better than seeing all the lights go out and all like the the fireflies, the quote mm. unquote fireflies light up the arena. Yeah. Like there's a spectacle to that. And Bray Wyatt is, I think Bray Wyatt's great. Amazing. When I saw they had let him go, I was like, they're cutting money. That's all they're doing. They're yeah. looking to save a couple bucks. Yeah. I don't, it, it seems like such a shame. I mean, to me, that's how I know that I'm justified in, in, in changing so much of what I'm doing. There's something wrong in your comp. Like I'm, I'm not trying, like I'm a WWE guy to my heart and soul. Yeah. I want them to do well. Of course. I'm not a, I'm not a big AEW guy. There is one guy I want to talk about very quickly that I would pluck out of AEW if I could. One guy that I like that is purely an AEW guy. I'm not talking about former WWE guys. MJF, Maxwell yeah. Jacob Friedman. 
keep an eye on him. If you folks uh, are just purely WWE people or old school wrestling fans, look into this guy. He's one of the most hateable people in wrestling today. And I want him on my show. But other than that, you know, there's something wrong in your company. If you can't figure out what to do with a Bray Wyatt, I mean, the yeah. guy's oozing talent. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and you know what? Everyone agrees with you. Everyone's having this conversation. And, yeah. and Chris, to your point as well, to something we said earlier, MJF, where does he reign from? Plainview, New York, baby. Yes. He's a Long Island boy. And I looked him up and man, does this guy have a hateable face and he's wearing a Burberry (laughs) scarf. I love it. He, he, give him the He doesn't do the cool heel thing where he's like, he plays a bad guy on TV, but wants to sell a bunch of t shirts. He genuinely comes across like he wants to be hated. And he's great. He's, he's, he's great on the mic. He's great in the ring. MJF is, is, the only person, and you know, I know there's a lot of wrestling fans like, what? You don't want Kenny Omega or the Young Bucks? <laughs> no, I don't. I, fuck them. <laughs> I want Maxwell Jacob Friedman on my roster. They can keep the ex-WWE guys. I am going to take, CM Punk is rumored to be going to AEW. I, I will spend whatever, I'm, you know, you're WWE. You're the New York Yankees of wrestling. You spend whatever the fuck you have to to get CM Punk yeah. before AEW takes him. And you use him as a once in a while attraction or a brand yeah. ambassador. But, you know, that's it. Let them do their own thing. WWE has enough talent. They just have to fix the issues with their show. Love well, it. Chris, you're the Chris, man. So good, Chris. Chris, I'm so happy that we had you on for this, this episode great. to talk about um, wrestling. My uh, pleasure, guys. What a, what a beautiful and amazing debut on How About This, Chris. So thank beautiful, you. Oh, obviously, we have it. Beautiful we'll, guys, I, I love your show, and I, uh, I'm so excited I could join you for this particular topic. I hope uh, someday I'm back again. Oh, you will be because we plan on doing 30 episodes about Star Wars and and Dungeons and Dragons. So you will be back. We have to talk to you about the the impending Star Wars Christmas business that we have to get (laughs) on to. You know, I have thoughts and opinions on those things. Oh, we know. (laughs) As you know, as a listener of this show, our show almost gets derailed into being a Star Wars show almost every episode. Yes. Yes. yes, Star Wars versus Capcom would probably be the best oh, name for this show. Starring Anya Taylor Joy. And Anya Taylor. I, I, I tell you what, Star Wars Capcom is an intriguing game concept. Actually, <laughs> it's not. That's not. There's something to that. Not yes. terrible. It's not that bad. Listen, so, it could work. So, Chris, uh, you're you're awesome. You're a massively talented individual. Thank you so much for being on the show. Before we sign off on this episode of How About This. Let us know what you're doing. I could announce what you're doing and all the things you're doing, but we want to hear it straight from your mouth. Chris, what are you doing? Where can people find you? Tell us about your projects. Plug yourself. Thank you. So I'm Chris D'Amato, the Chris D'Amato on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for my pages and things like that. Um, I'm an actor. I'm not terribly active on those pages, but once in a while, I'll post something funny or interesting. I'm working on a show called The Information War. You can find that on all social medias, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's a parody satire of Alex Jones. It's a 10 episode series. It's going to be coming out later this year, starring, starring yours truly as Alex Jones. And uh, the other big thing that I think some of your listeners might know about because we've uh, done cross promotion is uh, I do the Sopranos podcast with our dear Jordan Hugh. Hey, yeah. Two thirds -thirds of the show or this podcast is here. here. That's exactly exactly it. We break down the Sopranos episode by episode, really in-depth analysis. It's such a pleasure to do. I'm so thoroughly impressed with what Jordan and Paul, my other co-host, come up with um, for this. And and we just talk about the Sopranos. There's a lot of love there. 
And uh, we're just going to be starting the third season in the fall. So wow. I'm excited to bring that to all. We of are you. already uh, we're already almost mid season on that. Wow. Yeah, we've wow. been recording, but the, the episodes are going to be coming out in the fall. So yeah. keep an eye out. It's that that's the, there's a lot of Sopranos podcast, folks. So make sure you search the Sopranos podcast. That's the name of the show. It's real simple. Yeah. As someone who's a bit of a Sopranos neophyte here, uh, listening to you guys talk about the Sopranos is just, it's un- unbelievable. So you guys do an amazing job. Chris, you do a great job on that as well. Before we get into the whole information war, Alex Jones stuff, which is like unbelievable to watch. I saw your, your show we, when you we, had we, it up. We did a play of it in 2018 mm-hmm. and we've adapted it for the screen. So yeah, good. No. So good. But yeah, the Sopranos podcast, folks, be sure to check that out. Be sure to follow Chris on all your social medias, especially if you want to, you know, get a little insight here and there on wrestling, if you're a wrestling fan. And also, I mean, we have two thirds of the Sopranos podcast here. At some point, we got to get Paul to come into how about this yeah, and talk to like us a about a Deadwood something. episode or something. Yeah, like that. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to have Paul in. Paul's a Paul, great guy. Paul would be great. Paul's a great guy uh, who I've only really communicated with via social media a little bit in person a few times, but man, I'd love to have him on the show too. So let him know I, that we love him out there. I also love that we got through this episode until now without even bringing up the fact that I worked in the wrestling business for several years. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I love that. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I was under the alias Nick D'Angelo and yes. I, was a, I was a heel commentator. It was a lot of fun indie, yeah. in indie stuff, but you know, it was, a, it was a good time of my life. Oh, hell yeah. Hey yeah. man, indie stuff is great. Indie stuff can be really great, and uh, that's really, really good. Can people find old videos of that online at all? The company I did my stuff with was CTWE. I think they still Connecticut Wrestling Entertainment. That was a company I did a lot of stuff with in Connecticut. Okay. They they have a bunch of videos still up. I, I I'm one of the voices calling the matches, and Wonderful. occasionally, occasionally I would, I would do the occasional backstage interview. The biggest person. I, this is the last thing, and then I'll I'll let you wrap it up. I the biggest person I've ever interviewed for that job was badass Billy Gunn. Oh, that's amazing. And I, I, up until this last week, no one would believe me on that if I said it, because the video of that event is not on the YouTube page and the company is now defunct. So there's, you know, there's no way to get that video. I think the video was lost or something. However, my father mailed me a package last week that had a bunch of random shit. He was going through the basement and one of them was a Polaroid picture of me interviewing badass Billy Gunn. So I have the proof. I'm going to post it online in uh, probably to coincide the same time with this episode. So That's anybody amazing. who follows anybody who chooses to go follow me, I will post a picture of me interviewing badass Billy Gunn as my sniveling kind of weird gay pun dropping character <laughs> named Nick D'Angelo. I love, love it. it, dude. That's amazing. That's such, that's so cool. I'm glad that you, you were able to find that. Chris, you, mm. you just concluded our summer of slam. Wow. Yes. Oh, what the a summer pleasure. Of slam has ended. It was a three count pinfall it was so good and uh once again we got to thank jordan hugh the can he, he retained his intercontinental championship for <laughs> this still got the belt for this still show he still got the belt he's still the intercontinental champion oh, oh, oh. if you got you. the if you got the intercontinental belt gold dust is coming after you so look Ooh. out that's um what a, what a treat and also Ooh. very strange actually <laughs> uh, you know what strange. bring back gold dust and cody Rhodes. let's do it I, I bring back it. the roads they're both amazing and, and, uh, and thank you to Mike. Mike, he's a heel. He's a face. He's all over the place. He's our <laughs> he's our man on the mic. Thank you to Mike. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And we have to go ahead and just give him the title right now. The undisputed world heavyweight champion, Chris D'Amato. Thank you so much for being on the show, my the, friend. The, the New Jersey rattlesnake. I love that's right. The New, the New Jersey, Jersey rattlesnake. rattlesnake. 
So thank you all so much for listening. The summer of slam has been completed, but we've got a whole bunch of episodes and it was a blast. Please stay tuned. We've got some Halloween stuff coming up very, very soon. And then we've got spectacular. We got a bunch of stuff, bunch of stuff coming up. We're going to take a couple weeks off, but then we're going to come back strong style in uh, in the fall with some new episodes in season two of how about this starting up real soon so thank you all once again and thank you to jordan and chris for being here you both rock thank you so much price check on a jackass and thank you everyone for listening to this episode of the how about this summer of slam the final episode of the summer of slam the main event some might say as we all talked about making the perfect summer slam event today and it was a blast to have the amazingly talented Chris D'Amato in with us on the mics talking about one of his favorite topics, and that is professional wrestling. Please, as Chris suggested, please follow him on social media at the Chris D'Amato, all one word on Instagram. And you can also listen to the podcast that he hosts with our very own Jordan Hugh and their very talented friend Paul Mancini. You can check out the Sopranos podcast. Please do not forget that definite article it is a great show and if you are a fan of the sopranos you need to check this out asap even if you're not start watching the show and listening to the podcast alongside it is the perfect companion piece so once again thank you so very much chris for joining us today you're the best thank you thank you thank you now on our side, if you like the show and you want to follow it you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at how about this pod? You can find us on How About This Pod on both those platforms. Please be free, feel free rather, to like and subscribe to our podcast and to our posts on the internet. Every time you do something like that or leave a comment or a review, it makes this show that more visible. So you could do that, you can share it with your friends, and you could also reach out to us to see how you felt about these episodes. So we really hope you enjoyed the Summer of Slam. The Summer of Slam has now ended, and now Jordan and I are going to take a few weeks off, and we're going to hit it, and we'll be back in mid-September with new episodes for Season 2 leading into our October Fall Spooktacular. So, for Jordan Hugh and Chris D'Amato, my name is Mike Staub, and thank you so very much for listening, and enjoy. Enjoy.